Wow, a lot of exciting things going on today, and, and one of the most exciting things that we always do here at Hope Covenant Church is we desire, with our whole heart, present to you every Sunday the Word of God. And so would you um, just take a moment where you're sitting and extend your hands in a posture of receptivity as we come before the Lord in his word. Father, um, we are so blessed. Uh, this little one, uh, Casey Campbell Allhands, who's been dedicated to you. Lord, now that reminds us that we want to de- dedicate ourselves to you right now to receive your word. Lord, um, it's the holy word of God, and it's in this place because your spirit is here. And we now desire that our hearts and our minds and our ears are open to your spirit. May we receive your word with thanksgiving. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And all of God's people together said, amen, amen. Well, today, the abundant life ends, okay? Now, the sermon series, not your actual abundant life. That'll go on and on and on. But today is our last message in our seven weeks of studying the abundant life. Now, we have told you over and over again that you are blessed and highly favored, and you are. Uh, but let me tell you and remind you why you're blessed and highly favored. First of all, uh, you have been invited to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, if you've said yes to Jesus you have been invited to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is something exciting that we see around us, and it doesn't start when you go to heaven. The kingdom of heaven starts when you say yes to Jesus, and you are part of his kingdom. So you are invited to be part of the kingdom of heaven. You are blessed and highly favored. And then the second week, we talked about how that you are blessed to serve. Uh, Jesus was serving his disciples in the upper room in John 13. He washed their feet because nobody else wanted that dirty job. And he did that. And when he was done, he said, did you realize what I've just done for you? And the disciples kind of dumbly said, "Uh, yeah, we recognize it. And okay, because I have served you in this way, I want you to serve others. And he said, and if you serve others the way I've served you, he said, you will be, guess what? Blessed. If you serve others the way I've served you, you will be blessed. And then the third week we talked about that, uh, uh, that we are blessed with a burden. And what that message was about was that if God has placed a, a real desire in your heart, uh, something that keeps you up at night, something that uh, keeps you, you keep thinking about it, maybe it's a, um, an injustice in the world, maybe it's a loved one who doesn't know Christ, uh, maybe it's someone who really needs help. If this burden stays in you, you need to feel blessed because that burden is a piece of God's heart. He has given you a piece of his heart, a burden to have to share with him for that lost person or for that unjust cause. You have been blessed with a burden. And then two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that you are blessed to be a blessing. Uh, you heard uh, the testimonies of the ones that went to uh, Rocky Point. And um, we are blessed in the United States, aren't we? I mean, we have the advantages of education, the advantages of uh, socioeconomic status. We have all of these things, freedom, all of these things. We are blessed. Because you're blessed, and you are, even if you just make minimum wage, if you, if you recognize you are blessed, you are blessed to be a blessing to others. Share what you have. God has been generous to you. Be generous to others. You are blessed to be a blessing. And that's, last week we talked about how that you are blessed to be part of a family. And there's two parts to that. You're blessed to be part of your family of origin. 
And even though some of you had difficult growing up circumstances, you still have family members that you love and care about. You're blessed to be part of a family, but you're also blessed to be part of the family of God, right? Jesus uh, was teaching, and his mom and brothers were outside the temple, and somebody said, hey, Jesus, your family wants to talk to you. And when Jesus, Jesus finished teaching, here's what he said. He said, who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters? And then he pointed to his disciples. He said, those who do the will of God. We are the family of God. Even if you didn't have a good family growing up, we are the family of God, and you are blessed to be part of a family. So today I'd like to share with you what I believe is the most important, really the most significant blessing of God. And this is what Hernan referred to. You are blessed to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. That's right. You are blessed to be ordained and anointed and appointed an ambassador of Jesus Christ. When you said yes to Jesus, he put his anointing on you and said, okay, now I want you to go out and in your sphere of influence, in your world, I want you to go out and share the good news of God's reconciling love to the world. Wow, that's a big job <laughs> to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. But I'm, I'm nervous and I'm, and I'm scared and I don't know what to do. What do I do with that? Well, that's what we're going to help you with today. All of you have grown up, uh, here, here's the word. The word in the, in the uh, original language is evangelion. Okay, it's, that's where we get the word evangelist or evangelism. Now, there's a lot of problems that have come around that word in the last years. And many of those problems come from these what we call TV evangelists, right? They're kind of nuts, some of them. And uh, people get to think that, well, that's what evangelism is. But here, our, the name of our denomination is the Evangelical Covenant Church. We're proud of that. And what that means is the good news. So how do we share the good news of Jesus Christ? We are ambassadors. We are called. We are ordained. We're appointed to be ambassadors of the good news of God's reconciling love to share that with the world. But a lot of people have this kind of negative connotation about evangelism. There's a book that's called uh, The Day America Told the Truth. And in this book, uh, they were, people were asked randomly, would you rank different jobs or professions and tell us which ones you think have the highest integrity and honesty and which ones have the least integrity and honesty? Of the 73 different professions listed, uh, by Americans, televangelists ranked third from the bottom in integrity and ranked lower than lawyers and car salesmen. They ranked lower than prostitutes. Only two categories were ranked lower than them, drug dealers and organized crime members. So as Christians, we have our work to do, cut out to help people understand that this word evangelism is not a bad word. This is an amazing word. And we have been blessed, all of us, we have been blessed with the opportunity uh, to be uh, th these wonderful uh, communicators of God's love to the world. But if you're like me, that's scary. I grew up in a church, in a denomination, where everybody was required to go out witnessing. And when they said that word, it just made my skin crawl. We were supposed to go to doors, knock on doors, and then people would answer the doors, and then we're supposed to try and lead them to Christ. Never worked, but, you know, we did whatever we were told to do. I remember going up to those doors and praying, God, please help them not to be home. I think somehow I, I missed the spirit of the whole witnessing thing. So, but, but it didn't work, right? 
And so many of you were raised with that kind of idea that witnessing, oh man, I don't know enough Bible verses and I don't know, I'll get nervous and they'll think I'm a nut. Well, you are. And they'll think I don't know what I'm doing and all this kind of stuff. Well, today I want to take all of those fears, all of those anxieties and throw them out the window. All of those past experiences that you've had that have not felt right or felt good, you've lived with guilt, oh, I haven't ever testified, I've never led anybody to Christ. I want all of those things to be thrown out the window. And here's what I want to do for you today. From Scripture, I want to show you, I want to talk to you about four reluctant evangelists. Four reluctant evangelists and what their methods were for sharing the good news of Christ's redeeming love. So you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ, and you are blessed. Well, how do you share that good news? Let me give you four examples of how you can share the good news. Now, in removing all of your fears and anxieties, you're going to find that all of these methods are methods that you can probably do without a lot of anxiety, without a lot of fear. So let's look at what happened uh, to these different people. So the first category uh, is the Samaritan woman, and her method was come and see. If you've been around the Bible, around Christianity, you know the story of the Samaritan woman. Jesus and his disciples were going through Samaria, and this woman, uh, Jesus sent the disciples on into town uh, for a grocery run, okay? So they were gone. Jesus is there by the well. A woman comes to the well. Now, this is very weird because uh, she was a Samaritan, which means she was a half-breed. She was half-Jewish and half-something else, either Gentile or pagan. Because she was a half-breed. Secondly, she was a woman. And a woman had no right to be out by herself alone. And the third thing that was wrong with her is she was immoral. So she had all these things against her. She comes up to the well, and there's Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, okay? He was supposed to be as far away from a person like her as you could possibly get, but not Jesus. He hung around there, knowing that she was going to come for water. She came over, and he started up a conversation with her. He said, so you want some water? She said, yes, I need some water. And she's thinking, you talking to me? <laughs> you really talking to me? I'm a woman, I'm immoral, I'm a Samaritan, you talking to me? And he said, yeah, I'm talking to you. Well, that water's good, but you're going to run out of it, and you're going to be thirsty again. But I know of one who can give you water that will satisfy you always. Really? Now, this woman apparently had some training in the is uh, the Jewish religion, because she knew something of the Messiah. She had heard about the Messiah or something. She said, yeah, you know, I've heard about one who's going to come and rescue uh, his people and uh, bring salvation, and, and, and I've heard about somebody like that. And then Jesus said, hey, I'm him. I'm the guy. I'm the Messiah. She said, really? No way. You're the Messiah? He said, I will give you water that will satisfy you always and forever and eternally. So she embraced this newfound faith, this newfound Messiah. She didn't know what to do, but she embraced it. And then listen to what it, the text says in John chapter 4. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to, to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of town and made their way toward him. This was remarkable. She didn't have any theology. She didn't know any doctrine. She didn't have any great leading questions. She didn't have the four spiritual laws. She didn't have steps to peace with God. She didn't have any of this. He, she did have one thing. She said, come and see. I know you probably won't believe it. It's probably way out of your comfort zone, but you got to see this guy. Come and see. 
I know I don't know much about religion or about God, but you've got to come and see. You've got to come and see. See, that is the simplest and most direct thing that all of us can do in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. In being ambassadors, at the very least, we can say, come and see. I can't tell you how many of you, I, I'm still blessed when I think about it, I met person after person after person at our Easter service at Tumbleweed said, hey, we brought our neighbors. Uh, hey, we brought our family. Hey, we met this guy at the grocery store and we invited him to come to, to Easter service. Come and see. Come and see. We don't have all the answers. Pastor certainly doesn't have all the answers. We don't know really what we're doing a lot of the times, but come and see what it looks like to be part of God's family. Come and see what the gospel sounds like. Try it on for size. Come and see what we're doing at our church. Many of you are amazing come and seers. I can, I can look out there, and so many of you, in fact, we had our 10-minute party in the first service. By the way, if you're new, we'd love you to join us for the 10-minute party after this service. And every person that was in the 10-minute party was a come and seer. <laughs> Somebody in our church said, hey, come check us out. Pastor's kind of goofy, but the music, the, the words up on the screen are powerful. Oh, I guess we don't have them up on the screen. You know, all this, you know, the, come and see. It may not be for you, we may not have all the answers to answer your questions, but come and see. I can't tell, me, tell you how many people in our church have been come and seers, and then they've given their hearts to Christ, and they've found Jesus, and they've found a brand new life. Come and see. John 4, 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Isn't that beautiful? Come and see. Check it out. See, what's, see what you can see. We can all become seers. That's real easy, right? But there's another reluctant evangelist in the Bible, and uh, he was just referred to as a blind man. His method was share your story. Share your story. So sometimes, sometimes what's required of us is to simply share your story. Uh, Hernan, uh, who was on the uh, One Mission team, uh, they're new in our church, um, uh, he didn't want to share in the first service. He thought he'd get nervous. Well, you heard him talk in the second service. You know, he made a decision. You know what? I can say how God has touched my life through these people in Rocky Point. I can say that. I can speak those words. And that's exactly what he did. Sometimes what is required of you is to share your story. Now, let's give a background to this text. So there's a poor guy that was blind from birth. Jesus comes up to him and says... Uh, would you like to be healed? And in the original transcript, it said something like this. Duh. You know, and I saw, okay, so Jesus spit on a little bit of dirt, made some mud out of it, put it on the guy's eyes, said, now go wash in the, go wash in the, in the, in the water. And the guy did. Now imagine, when this blind, never seen anything in his life. He was born blind. Never seen a thing. We don't know how old he was, but he was at least an adult. So can you imagine as he's washing his eyes, uh, he opens his eyes and there's some light there. And um, some shapes uh, start to take form. Is that a tree? Is that a leaf? Is that what they call green? Is that the sky? I've always heard about it, but I didn't realize it was so, as you call that blue? And the very first face that he saw, the very first person he saw was his Redeemer. Is that you? 
Jesus? Is that you? He probably reached up and touched his face. And Is that you? Well, at the same time when this was going on, the Pharisees, who were always trying to entrap Jesus, um, were trying to figure out, how, how do we get rid of this story? This thing's, man, this thing's going to go viral. You know? People are going to hear about this. You know, blind man was healed and all that stuff. And they said, what are we going to do to stop this? They said, well, we've got to somehow misrepresent Jesus. So they said to the blind man, he said, uh, this guy Jesus that did that, did you know that he was, uh, you know, he's kind of a rascal? This guy Jesus is a sinner? That he's not much of a, a guy, he's not much of a rabbi, he's just kind of a bad guy. Did you realize that to the blind man? Here, here's what the blind man said in John 9, 25. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. That's all. Don't know any Bible verses. Don't know any leading questions. I don't know how to connect people with the church or with God. I, I don't know any of that stuff. I don't know any theology. I don't know. But let me tell you one thing I do know. 35 seconds ago, I couldn't see. I've never seen in my life. Now I can see. You have a story. It may not be that dramatic, but you have a story. Some of you have many stories, but you have a story of how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. You have a story of how God has changed your life, how he has transformed you. You have a story. I've got several stories, and I use different ones depending on who I'm with and what the circumstances are. If I'm with a group of, of uh, addicts, recovering addicts, I, I tell my story of how God redeemed me from my addiction. If there's parents around that have lost children or brokenhearted over that, Sherry and I can say, well, we understand that, that because we have a story. We lo we've lost two children, and we know how painful that is. But here's the only way we could survive that with Jesus Christ. And, and so we have stories. You have your stories. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. Or maybe you used to be in bondage of some kind of addiction. Uh, maybe you had four cats and you found Christ and now they're gone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> praise God, you've been released from cats. And, and whatever your story is, tell it. Tell it. Your personal experience. People can't argue with that. Well, yeah, well, that doesn't make my... You know what? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't get it either. But you know what? I was blind, and now I can see. You know what? I was absolutely dead to my sins, and now I'm alive in Christ Jesus. I don't know all the answers. I can't explain everything, but I can tell you that that is my story. We had a, a man in our church. Um, he passed away three or four years ago. His name was Arnie Sleveland. And Arnie used to come to our, our Friday morning men's Bible study. And I met Arnie uh, through a 12-step program. And... Uh, he was a, one of those veteran 12-steppers, one of those veteran AA guys, solid, you know, really strong in his um, sobriety, you know, uh, you know, higher power, the whole deal. So strong. By the way, I'm, I'm a big uh, fan of AA. I, I am. I believe in it. I believe in all of those uh, meetings. But I also know, as a Christian, that they don't take it far enough sometimes because it's one thing to stop a behavior, but that's not the solution. The solution is filling the emptiness that's inside of you, and only Christ can do that. So I'm a, I'm a big f favor of AA, but we need to go further than that. Well, Arnie went further than that. He started, his wife brought him to our church five, six years ago, started coming to church after a few weeks. He came forward, he gave his heart to Christ. His life was transformed. He used to tell us in our men's Bible study that that, er, that six o'clock every Friday morning from six to seven was the best hour of his week because he talked about the Bible and about God. And he used to go back to his AA group and he said, you know what, guys, I've got a story to tell you. 
And he said, I, I've, I've been sober for 30-some years, but I, I've discovered uh, that there's something, that emptiness inside of me, that I, I'm missing alcohol or I'm missing drugs or whatever. He said, that empty inside of me has been filled up by Jesus Christ. He said, I've got a story to tell. Uh, about three days before Arnie died, um, I was seeing him in the hospital. He died of cancer. And I was seeing him in the hospital. And uh, he was telling me, thank you. And um, he said, um, I want to thank you and I want to thank the church for saving me. I said, you know, we didn't save you, Christ. And he said, I know that. But, but he said, I'll tell you what the church gave me. The church gave me a story. A story to tell about my faith in Jesus. Gave me a story. You have a story. Each and every one of you has a story. Sometimes you need to work on that story. Maybe think about how you can communicate it effectively with ease. How you can, you know, if it comes up in a conversation, uh, don't bullhorn it. Don't try and cram it in somewhere it doesn't belong. But when the time comes, when somebody asks you about your church experience, you know, you just tell your story. Tell your story. You can do that. You can be, you're all coming seers. You can do that. But you can all tell your story. But there's a third reluctant evangelist in the scripture. And this is a woman, and her name is Dorcas. Now, I know that some of you think that Dorcas is a bad name, but it's not a bad thing to be a Dorcas, Jim. Right? If somebody calls you a dork, that's bad. If they call you a Dorcas, that's a good thing, okay? Let me tell you about this woman. Uh, she was, um, she met, well, let me just read you the passage, Acts 9.36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, that was her name, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. Now, we don't know a lot about her backstory, but apparently she is a widow. And what she does is she ministers to widows. Now, that sounds like a nice thing to do. That wasn't just a nice thing to do 2,000 years ago. That was life and death for some people. Women who had lost their husbands, if they had been divorced, given a bill of divorcement, or if they had been, their husband died, guess where all the money goes? To the oldest son. The woman gets nothing. Okay, women had no status in those days, right? And so here's a woman that was ministering to these widows, caring for them, loving them. Let me teach you how to sew so that you can uh, earn a living. Uh, let me help you out of this life of prostitution. Let me help you. Let me show you how you can do this. So let me help you. Let me encourage you. Let me pray for you. And then she died. Sad. So you can imagine all of these widows standing around Dorcas. And uh, they're telling stories. Remember when, when, you know, I lost my husband and I had nowhere to go and she took me in and how she cared for me and uh, gave me a skill and taught me how to make a living. And so, yeah, I remember that. And remember uh, uh, in my situation when I was cast out of my house by my husband and I had nowhere to go and, and she taught me how I can make a living and she loved me and she introduced me to this guy named Jesus and, and, and all these stories. And then while they're doing this, Peter walks into the room. He says, okay, the Holy Spirit told me that I'm supposed to raise her from the dead. So, Boom, Peter raises Dorcas from the dead, and she's now, and can you imagine the testimony that those widows had and that woman had? Incredible, incredible story. Maybe you're a Dorcas, right? Maybe you give your life away, right? These people that were standing up here for the one mission trip, we have about, uh, last week we had a celebration for the uh, volunteers at San Marcos. There's about 20 of us there. And uh, a celebrate, those are people who give their life away. We have about, what, 35, 40 people, Jim, going to the Navajo in a couple of weeks. Um, we have people that are constantly giving their life away in the name of Jesus. You can do that. 
You can be a come and seer. You can tell your story. Anybody can tell their story. You can give your life away in the name of Jesus Christ. And God will be blessed. Come and see. Tell your story. Give your life away. There's one last unlikely evangelist. His name is Peter. And here is Peter's method. Get in somebody's face. Okay, now Jim, close your ears. Earmuff this one, okay? You know, uh, Jim and I, uh, we, we can be that way and we have to be very careful that we're not that way unless it's the Holy Spirit telling us. Listen to Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 40. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And when you read Peter's sermon, you read the power of it and the in-your-face of it. He said, you people crucified Jesus. Now you need to repent and be baptized. And there was this, this, you know, it's got to happen because if you don't, you're going to go into an everlasting life without Christ and it's terrible and you'll be lost and you've got to get this right. Now there's a place for this. It's not every Sunday in a sermon. Believe me, it's not. I grew up with that, and that doesn't help. But there's a time in your life when God impresses on you that there is somebody that is going, walking off a cliff, and you have to say to them, stop. The way that you're going is leading to death, and I love you too much to do that. You're having an affair. I'm going to stand in your driveway until you stop. Uh, You're addicted to pornography. I'm going to call you up and make sure that you stay away from that. Uh, You're an alcoholic and you won't go to meetings. I will be in your doorstep. I will do whatever I can to say, listen, the way that you're going is death, and God doesn't want you dead. He wants you alive in Christ. Stop what you're doing. Sometimes we have to do that. I can't tell you the number of times uh, people in our church, every church I've served, where we've tried grace and we've tried to love them, we've tried to gently support them, but there comes a time when we see them just about walking off that cliff where we have to say, no, this is, no, this is not right. Jesus does not want to lose you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and you're walking off this cliff. You need to stop what you're doing and turn your heart back to God. You need to stop it. There's this wonderful uh, video that I saw a couple weeks ago. Somebody, I forget who sent it to me. But how many remember Bob Newhart? Remember him? And it wasn't just Elf's father, right? So this is the old Bob Newhart back in the 70s and 80s. He was a psychiatrist, or a psychologist, I should say, uh, in his television show. And there's this wonderful clip. This woman comes to see him, and she says, how much does it cost for an hour? And he said, 10 bucks. You can tell it was the 70s, right? 10 bucks. Really, 10 bucks? She said, uh, uh, yeah. He said, so what's your problem? She said, well, I've got all this anxiety and I've got a lot of worry and the worry leads me to overeating and the worry leads me to uh, overeating and uh, having, uh, uh, you know, affairs and all kinds of bad behavior. And she said, I don't, I don't, want, I don't know what to do. And so, uh, you know, he sits there, you know, like every good psychiatrist, psychologist, and kind of rubs his chin. He said, so what you're saying is that you... Uh, um, you have anxiety and worry about your life and you uh, overeat and you do these things. And he said, is that, is that what I'm hearing you say? She said, that's exactly right. Can you help me, doctor? He said, I can't help you. She said, okay, please help me. He said, okay. Stop it! <laughs> that's all he said. She said, but what about, stop it! 
You mean, but how, how can you? No, stop it. You know, just over and over. You know, and sometimes, now this isn't always, because sometimes we need to be gentle with each other most of the time, believe me. But there are times when we say to somebody that we love, that we care about deeply, we see them going off the deep end, we say, stop it. In the name of Jesus, stop it. You're going in a way that will lead to destruction. Stop it. We need to be in your face. Well, you are blessed to share the love of Jesus. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You have been ordained. You have been blessed to take the reconciling love of Jesus into the world. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. How are you going to do that? Well, I don't know your personality. I don't know your comfort level. But here are four ways we find in Scripture that are very meaningful. Come and see. Anybody can do that. All of you can do that. I anoint you and bless you all to become and seers. You can tell your story. You can give your life away. We have so many people in our church that does that. And with grace and with love, there are times when you can get in somebody's face. So I want to close with this wonderful story. Uh, we have some guests here from Colorado. And uh, from, we're actually from the town that I served a church in, Lakewood, Colorado. And um, uh, we had this church, and there was a woman in our church, one of these great saints. Her name was Idris. And Idris was this godly woman who served and loved and witnessed. But she had a husband at home that was uh, just a lump. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, he never said yes to Jesus. He'd always fought her on everything having to do with Christianity. And it was just this lump. Well, she had asked me when I came to the church if I'd get to know Reuben. And his name was Reuben. And, and try and witness to him, which I did. And the only thing we had in common was fishing. So we had something to talk about. But I'd try and witness to him. And now, 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 now. And so uh, I looked at his life and I saw how many people had said to him, come and see, a lot. And, and God bless them. Every one of them had a part in his life, right? They said, come and see. Reuben, you got to come to church this Sunday. We want, you to, we, want you, we want you to be part of us. Nope, nope, I don't want to. And others shared their story. Reuben, let me tell you how that I gave my heart to Christ and how it changed my life. Yeah, good for you, not for me. And, and, and others had, had, you know, had, had, had showed love. His wife especially had showed this great love and she'd given her life away to him in the name of Jesus. And all of that happened. And I was finally convinced and convicted that God wanted me to take that one step further. And so I went to him and I said, hey, Reuben, I've got, I've got something uh, to tell you. And he said, what's that, Dwayne? He said, what's that? You want to talk about fishing? No, I don't want to talk about fishing. W what do you have to tell me? He said, Reuben, today you're going to come to Christ. He said, what? I said, today. I said, you're an old man. You're sick. Pretty soon you're going to die. You need to come to Christ today. He said, well, what if I don't want to? I said, I'm not asking if you want to. I said, you're going to come to Christ today. And, 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 and as I was talking, uh, I could, all of these witnesses, people that had been come and seers, all those who had shared their stories, all those who had loved him, all of those people had a part in this moment, right? And finally I said, Reuben, I want you to give your heart to Jesus Christ right now. Will you do that? And he said, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he prayed to receive Christ. A few months later he passed away, but those few months he had with his wife as a Christ follower. And you see... It wasn't just me. I was the last guy, but there were so many people before me that had planted those seeds, had watered the soil, had, had pruned, had done all of these things. People that were common seers, people who had told their stories, people who gave their life away. All of us can be called to give God our very best. You are blessed to share Christ. You are blessed to live Christ. You are blessed to show Christ in your life. 
and God will do the rest. Let's bow our heads, please. Well, Lord, it's uh, such a joy to be your, your servants. And, and when we said yes to you, um, for some of us many years ago, others of us newly, when we said yes to you, you anointed us as ambassadors, of your ambassadors. And here's your call to us, and that's to go and to share the good news of Christ's love with people in your sphere of influence, in your world, people that you know and see and love and care about. Now, Lord, we know that there's a lot of different personalities in here and a lot of different ways of doing that, but all of us can do something because all of us are your ambassadors. Lord, help us to be common seers. Help us to be those who share their stories. Help us to be those who give our lives away. And for some of us, when you anoint us and when you bless us, help us to be those who actually get in someone's face and said, now is the day of salvation. You need to say yes to him. So, Father, that's our prayer. May we receive this word. May we allow it to be inside of us. And then may we do it. And if we do, we will be blessed. We pray these things in Christ's name. And all of God's people together said, amen, amen.